got a question for you. It never even occurred to me till I uh, saw a thing a couple of weeks ago. I forget who, who, if it was Dalrymple or somebody, you know, in our, our little circle. Somebody tweeted something or linked to it like, do you, do you keep orange juice in your house? And I thought that was universal. I grew up in my family. We always had orange juice. Oh, I, I, yeah, I can't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, if I don't have my glass of orange juice in the morning, you know, the day can't start. Right. It's I, that it's simple. A, yeah. To me, it's more important than coffee because it's, uh, I could go out and get a coffee. Like if I, if we run out of orange juice, that is to me is like a red alert. I, I will just immediately put on a coat and go, go buy a jug of orange juice. And then I'll come back in the house and Amy will be like, well, why didn't you tell me you're going to the store? I, I have a whole list of shit that I need. And I'd be like, well, I don't know about that stuff, but I needed orange juice. Right. But it ends up a lot of people. Emergencies must be dealt with. Right. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, in growing up, uh, uh, we did not have, uh, I mean, my parents weren't, uh, you know, like I, I didn't have like uh, super expensive sneakers. Sometimes we'd buy uh, store brand soda pop or something like that. We didn't have a lot of soda, but yeah, you know, if we did, yeah. we would. But I'll tell you what: one thing my parents have never—I mean, this is from the earliest age that I can remember onward—have never um, cheaped on is uh, orange juice. Always uh, not from concentrate. Oh, we. My mom used to make the stuff from concentrate, and and you know that was okay. But, you know, I mean, we got the real stuff. Oh, I take oh. it back. I take it back. When I was really little, I mean, we're talking in the 70s, we did, we had the, fro yeah, you'd buy frozen <laughs> orange juice in a in a can, and then yeah. you'd, you'd un reconstitute it yourself, right? That's yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. You pull it out of the freezer and crack it open. And, right. And but then you had, to, you had to wait for it to kind of dissolve and melt and everything before you could drink it. So, you know, that, that was added to, you know, the emergency of being out of orange juice, right? You had to sit there and wait for the stuff to melt and eventually, oh, okay, we can have orange juice now. <laughs> um, I love orange juice. But I just thought of something. Here's the reason I thought about it is uh, I, bought the, uh, I bought the Florida's Natural brand here. Um, and I'm enjoying some as, as we record the show. It occurs to me, though, that all the orange juice I buy is from Florida. But you live in... Orange County, California, right? Right. And so when you buy orange juice at the supermarket, it doesn't come from Florida, does it? It used to not come from Florida, but uh, Orange County, right now, you're you're hard pressed to find a, an orange tree in in this county anymore. It's all all the the orange groves have been uh, torn down and replaced with housing. Really? So, yeah. It's uh. There are there are as you go inland, you know, get away from the the beach a bit. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of orange, but not not in enough to to produce a significant. Support. I don't think so. I think you know, a lot of the, the the stuff that we get is you know it says you know from Florida oranges. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's not as not as big an industry in California as it once was. I mean, does it, it was. Does it touch? It a growing nerve? up, it was that way. Does it touch a nerve a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, we used to have uh, orange groves were a perfect place to have wars, right? Right. You know, there's all sorts of rotten oranges lying on the ground. <laughs> right. Cover. You can take. They, you can take cover, and there's unlimited ammo. Exactly. You know, it's and then and you know, there's rows and rows and rows of these trees. It was just you know, we could spend hours on the orange groves. You know, you could probably cheat. That you probably cheated and like looked over the top. Yeah, not not at you know <laughs> age six or whatever it was. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder you know, where people. Well, I, I, I'm a, I'm totally ignorant about orange juice around the world. Like like like, 
I do know. I know that Europe, it's in Europe, it's not a big thing because when I've been to Europe, the orange juice is horrible. I mean, it's just terrible. And like when I've, uh, one time uh, for the Ool conference, they put us up in, instead of a hotel, we, we stayed in a, a little rental house because we brought Jonas with us for, you know, most of the week. And so we, you know, got to like live in Dublin and it was great. And, you know, you could just sort of see what it's like. And we went grocery shopping and stuff. And it's like the orange juice there is just, oh, it's horrendous. It's just well, not, I, it's like I, not a thing. Where I was living in Italy, it, it uh, the orange juice wasn't great. But they could, you know, they got, you know, there are lots of uh, oranges grown in Sicily. So, you know, the oranges coming up from the south. I mean, basically, the Sicily's got weather like here in Southern California and, or in Florida, right? It's it's southerly, it's warm, it's perfect for oranges. Yeah. Um, but they also had the thing called, uh, uh, well, they, they did grapefruit juice too, which I, I like grapefruit juice not as much as I like orange juice, but they also had, uh, a nectars like you know apricot nectar and stuff like that which was awesome hmm. right so it it was different do you, you yeah. have a sicilian blood orange oh yeah nah, isn't that good <laughs> yeah so my my uh my favorite bar here the 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 place i never shut up about on twitter hopsing laundromat uh, yeah seasonally because it's they're they're they only get them when they're fresh is they have a sicilian blood orange yeah uh screwdriver and it is it, it it might be the greatest. It, it might be the best cocktail I've ever had. It's just yeah. The first time you you, you know somebody says, oh, you know, hey, you got to try a blood orange. You're going, how how much better could it be? You know, really, it's you know, it's an orange, right? Oh yeah, it's a little different color. It's like, oh my god, these it's, are awesome. <laughs> it's it's you know what? It's almost like it should have a different name, like call yeah. It- yeah, it's like it's like it, the difference between a grapefruit and an orange, right? Yeah, it's just, it's, I would say so. Wow, <laughs> right? It is. It is almost. It's almost does it a disservice by calling it a blood orange, and it's kind of stupid. It's kind of a stupid thing because it's called an orange because it's orange, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 it's, it's interesting. The city that I used to live in uh, in Italy has this battle once a year just before uh, uh, Carnival, uh, you know, before Lent. And they basically truck, uh, you know, have truckloads of, of blood oranges come up from Sicily. And they have a big ass orange fight. Right? There's these guys in carts that are throwing oranges down at the guys on the standing on the street, and these guys in the street are throwing oranges up at the guys in the cart. And they trot these carts around through the city, and you know, for you know, two or three days, there's this. You know, these different teams are fighting against each other in this orange fight, and they're throwing all these delicious <laughs> blood oranges around. It's like, eh, kind of like to eat some of those. Of course, of course, you do eat quite a few of them, but, you know, you definitely get your fill. But they are totally different. Yeah. They're just amazing. Delicious. Different. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say bottom line from this entire parenthetical preamble is if anybody out there who's never had a blood orange, uh, especially, I think, a Sicilian blood orange, but – You've ever never had one and always thought, ah, it's just a different colored orange. You, you really you got to try it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, wearables. That's what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I was thinking about it anyway because you wrote a piece on uh, Furbo, furbo.org, your uh, uh, web blog um, about. You know, Apple and, you know, Apple's rumored entry into this field. And then it just so happens, I guess yesterday, was it yesterday or Monday that uh, that Google announced the Android Wear? 
Yeah, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, I I had to get that thing up. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and you know, ever since they you started hearing about it at the D eleven, Tim Cook made dropped some mentions of it, and you know, they've hired some people, and you know, I've been, and it's it's. I mean, I, my timing was awesome for as far as the Google yeah. Wear thing is concerned, but I was like, "This is going to happen sooner than rather than later." I need to get this up and out there, and uh, we're going to spoil the hell out of on. it on this podcast. So I would say that's this fine. is one of those, yeah, one of those moments on the podcast where I would recommend to you as a listener, if you've got time. Now, if you're driving a car, don't stop. Don't don't try to read an <laughs> article. Uh, we'll just keep going. Read it later. Well, but if you're, no, they, if they, you're they, 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 yeah, they've got CarPlay. They can read it to them. If you can pause the show and go read, just go to furbo.org and and uh, it just says wearing Apple. You can Google it um, and read it, and then and then the rest of the show will be more like commentary on it rather than spoiling it for you. But because you make a lot of good points, I actually have like a draft of a piece. Uh, I still might write it, but. Sort of like how I wrote about the tablet before Apple came out with the iPad. We even knew what it was called, like a, a which was a long, like months long, simmering thing. You know that eventually congealed into an article. I, I have something like that about this too. Uh, one of the reasons I wrote it is hoping that you would uh, would spur you on a little bit, yeah, and to get that get your thoughts out as well. Because I know you've been thinking about it as well. I mean, every time you write something on Daring Fireball about those ugly ass watches that right. are coming out it's like okay he's thinking come i don't know if you're thinking the same thing i am but well know, a lot there's of obviously some thought there and a lot of it i am and and part of it too i like this too because it's not like i've got one key idea like oh i've got this one light bulb that went off in my head and it's a precious yeah. little thought and i can't wait to put it in an article and i hope nobody spoils it by you know thinking of the same thing and beating me to it it's not that sort of thing. Like this is actually like, I'm so glad you wrote this because it like crosses off a whole bunch of the little details. Well, that, and yeah, that's when I when I started writing it. It's like okay, there's all of these different aspects to it. It's like you can't. It's really hard to crystallize that thought. Like you're you know you're saying you know there's that one little insight. Or it's like there's a whole bunch of things that contribute to this notion of you know what to mean to wear a computer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you could almost draw it, split it in half in terms of like the the stuff this week. Where on the one hand, there's specifically what about a computerized watch? And I'm not going to use the word smartwatch. Well, maybe I should, but um, you know, what do we? What if you have a little computer type thing on your wrist and it tells the time? And that, which is a whole argument, right? That's a whole thing. And then a separate one, which you cover is what if you just zoom back a little bit and you just think, what if it's not a watch, right? What yeah. if it isn't, it may not even be on the wrist. Like wearables is a much better catch-all. Yeah. Um, but as specifically, like some of the things that I've been thinking about with a watch in particular, and maybe I've mentioned these on past shows, but there's so many little things. Like it, it for one thing, it has to be a, at least as good a watch as a regular watch, like a real watch. Right. Like even, you know, and you don't have to, you know, spend a lot of money. Even if you just go and in, into in Macy's and buy a, a fossil watch for $30 or, you know, a Timex, uh, you know, for, for 25 bucks or something like that. It has to be, it has to be at least as good as that. Right. Just for telling the time. If right. it's, if you're going to call it a watch. Right. And Let's, a lot, and a lot of these cheaper watches look pretty good too. Right. You know, they're, Oh, absolutely. 
you know, they've they've gotten it down to a science. Well, actually, I think they have to because it's yeah, it's it's such a long-standing product category, and people have such associations with it, and so much ground has been covered by classic watch designs that you know there's there's even you know even in the the mass market. Like I said, thirty, forty, fifty dollar watch range. Um, there's so much competition, and everybody has these ideas of what a good watch looks like. That a, a you know an ugly watch is just it's never going to sell, even at any price point. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that everybody you know that there's not a wide range of designs, and that you know what one person considers a good looking watch is anything at all like what another person does. Which is also partly what makes this field so complicated right it's it, it well that's where the whole fashion in right. of it comes in right it's like you know you take a company like swatch right they i don't how many models of swatch are there i don't know there's you know it's, it's got to be thousands maybe tens of thousands of I different th- models i think that and they're all they all look different they all have a little certain thing about them Active, I would bet they probably have like hundreds, but yeah. it's you know, in terms of like if you bought one of every Swatch brand watch from the last 20 or 30 years, it, it's almost I'll bet it's thousands, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the reason that, that they're able to continue doing that is because they're constantly modifying the design, right? There, right. it's there's some fashion element to it. I mean, I can tell you that a, a Swatch you buy today doesn't look like a Swatch you bought in the 80s, right? Absolutely. Do you know yeah, that Swatch, very... Swatch is a big conglomerate? And they actually, I forget, they own a couple of brands, but the one uh, big brand that they own is o- Omega. Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, they they were a spinoff uh, of you know one of those traditional watchmakers that wanted to get go down market with their product, right? You know, they were selling watches that cost you know thousands or hundreds of dollars. Well, here's one, you know, for fifty bucks. A hundred bucks. You know, it's it's a pretty classic maneuver. You know, once you've dominated the higher end of the market, it's what Apple does, right? Yeah. Well, the the history of the watch industry is kind of interesting because they 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 got hit with a massive disruption in the seventies, and then actually recovered. So prior yeah. to the seventies, all wristwatches were mechanical devices. You know, they weren't battery operated. You'd have to wind them or you know, at the higher end, they were automatic, meaning that the movement of your wrist as you walk through the day would keep the whatever the thing is called the movement, the yeah, movement, the, yeah. you know, something spring wound up. Uh, so as long as you wore the watch, it would stay wound, or you could buy like a fancy, like a metronome type thing to to automatically keep your automatic watches powered up. But but they were mechanical devices. And then when the quartz movement was invented, I think I think at least it came to the mass market in the seventies. I don't know why it, yeah. it was probably invented from, in the sixties from Japan, actually. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, all of a sudden, you could make a dead accurate, spot on accurate wristwatch for way way lower in price. And it used to be that that the accuracy of a wristwatch correlated roughly with the price. Where the more you spent, the more accurate it was. But even the top ones were only accurate, like a really good, accurate, high-end mechanical watch is maybe plus or minus three, four seconds a day. Um, and that's considered very accurate. Um, 
quartz watches as you know they're effectively little tiny computer chips and right as the quartz crystals is what powers every single one of our devices <laughs> right and so uh, you know they're accurate to the second so like mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's no correlation between accuracy and price that you know you get a watch for nine, $9.99 and it won't lose a second as long as the battery has power uh, and the bottom just dropped out of the traditional watch market uh, but yeah, they, Se- Seiko was a very dominant company during that period of time because they, right. you know, they they embraced they, it. They embraced it and brought all sorts of good-looking watches that were accurate and cheap to the market. Right, and they used to, you know, Seiko was uh, is a long-standing brand in Japan, but you know, prior to the quartz movement, they made mechanical movements, mm-hmm. um, and I think you know, for the large part, the Swiss watch industry. And somebody will probably correct. I'm not a super big watch expert, but somebody will correct uh, me. Norma, I think, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> in broad strokes, though, that the Swiss yeah. watch industry put their heads in the sand regarding quartz watches and saw that it is beneath them and not something they had to worry about. But the sales of their watches tanked. Um, but then they got their acts together and they've sort of regrouped. And you know, now you know, Rolex is humongous, but you know, all sorts of high end, you know multi-thousand dollar wristwatches are very very successful today and they're you know they're mechanical they're still you know that it's but it's it's obviously like a it's a only a small percentage of watch buyers still buy mechanical watches but those that do are willing to buy spend a premium on it well and and everybody knows that they spend a premium that's part of the part of the deal right it's a status symbol it's something that you know the you know you if you're wearing an Omega Speedmaster, I know how much you spent on it. Right. <laughs> well, Absolutely. and then there's, but then there's, there's, there's sub, sub thoughts within it. You can keep, you can go like a, a layer of, of recursion deeper. And then there's some watch nerds who want to buy a watch that nobody knows is a really good watch except other watch nerds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's like anything that you can get into collecting like that, where you, you know you can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. But it's it's certainly a thing. Uh, and I think if you're going to talk about smartwatches, you cannot ignore the fact that this is a long established market. Yeah, and the, these it, it's it's dominated by craftsmen who've been honing their craft for you know centuries. Right. That's you know it's their they, yeah, they they've they've they took a hit when the Japanese came out with quartz, but you know they still were making a, exceptional product, and they knew it. I mean, maybe that's kind of the reason they were thinking, you know, we got nothing to worry about, right? You know, maybe this is just a fad. You know, who knows? Maybe they had something like that. You know, at the turn of the century, when mechanical processes allowed watches, you know, mechanical watches to be made on an assembly line. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a a scholar of watch history enough to to say that's true or not. But I mean, you know, if you've been in business for for centuries, you're going to have had uh, competitive uh, landscape changes over that period of time. So. It, it reminds me of this great quote from Upton Sinclair: "It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his job depends on not understanding it." Yes. Yeah. Right. And so if your job depends on, you know, if you're, if you're a, a mechanical watchmaker 
and you, you know, make these watches by hand or, or, you know, or even if you're not the watchmaker, if you run the company and your whole operation is built on, you know, employing a staff of trained craftsmen who make these produce hand produce these intricate watch movements. Uh, it's difficult to understand that you've, you know, possibly just been your whole, the whole thing is possibly wiped out by a little Japanese, uh, Electronical gadget. Yeah, you're ripe for dis- disruption, right? You, you're you, you're blindsided by your your history. Yeah, uh, you know every every story of disruption is at some point a story about uh, uh, a, a, an entrenched market leader who's in denial. You know, and you you make point is your your point that you made in your story uh, or one of the first ones is that. Uh, However talented Apple's designers are, and they're very that's his degree that they're very, very talented. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. That uh, they're going to be competing, this is what your words, they're going to be competing against craftsmen who've been refining their craft since the 15th century. And then you say, I know this sounds a lot like uh, then Palm CEO Ed Colligan. It, I think it was like December 2006 when somebody asked him, yeah. hey, they say Apple's coming out with a phone. Are you worried? And he said, PC guys are not just are not going to just figure this out. They're not going to just walk in. And there is, and, and you, you know, you point out like, look, I'm not trying to be foolish here and underestimate Apple, but this is very different, right? Cell phones were not, are in the grand scheme of things, are still brand new, right? They only came out in the 1980s. They've right. only been around for 30 years. And nobody ever really loved any of them. I mean, you know, like when the first uh, flip phones came out, like the Razor, uh, you know, everybody agreed that hey, this is a step forward, and it's the best phone on the market. But there was better a- industrial design, yeah, smaller, lighter, great, but yeah, crappy you know, UI. <laughs> you can't go to you don't go to an auction at Christie's and buy <laughs> buy a fifty year old cell phone for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, right? Whereas. Right, but that's what it's yeah. like with watches. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, people yeah. will go and buy like a vintage, you know, you know, watch from fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the market right. that right. that Apple's entering yeah. um, if they're going to make a watch. And think about it. Here's a here's a point that I've been thinking about: is this when Apple decides to do something, any any of the products that they make, I don't think they ever get involved with something or do something, whether it's a longstanding product like desktop computers or for Apple longstanding or something brand new like when they created the iPhone in 2007. They don't get involved unless they can honestly look at it themselves and say, this is the best one on the market. Yep. Right? This is the phone that I want. Yeah. Everybody I know who works at Apple, I don't know a single person at Apple who doesn't use an iPhone. I've never, if there is, no, if there's somebody no, at Apple without an no. iPhone, I don't know them. But it's not yeah. because well, they're... Well, if they, if they, if they are, are not using an iPhone, it's because their job depends on them doing competitive analysis or something like that, right? It's right. Like, I'm sure there's somebody at Apple who carries around a Windows phone just so they know all about Windows phone. Right, but that's... But yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's like... Point oh 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 one percent of the company. Right? Either that, or they're on like probation, like they, they <laughs> they're being punished. Right. 
You know, they missed the... They, you, you didn't meet your, meet your quotas last year, John. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you're going to carry around the Blackberry. <laughs> uh, who knows? You know, there could be... I, I If there's any kind of weird pockets like that, you know, who knows? There could be, there could be like, in Apple's legal department, some Blackberry holdouts or something like that, you know. But it, it's clearly uh, the exception. Yeah. But there's no... They... they and, and I'm not trying to say that you can that saying that the iPhone is the best phone, or that the Mac Pro is the best desktop workstation class computer. Uh, that those things are anything but subjective. Clearly, there are some people who would argue, and could you you know argue reasonably and and make a great argument that uh, such and such ThinkPad is the best laptop computer available today. You know or uh, you know that there's other brands that make good phones and stuff like that. You could you could make a case that you know if you really like the the big phablet size phones that the Galaxy Note is the best phone today. But people who work at Apple, you know, and tend to have not that they have all have identical taste, but they're you know they're coming at it from a sort of Apple type viewpoint. It's not like Apple is universal right apple has they have a, a they they have a shared aesthetic about right what is good and what is bad right it's right it's, you know you you want to work at apple because you love the products they make so it's kind of you know it's a little bit self-selecting but yeah right they, so it, it's, it, so when i say that it you know if apple is going to make a phone it's going to be the best phone i don't mean that everybody on the face of the earth is going to look at it and agree that's the best phone but i do think it's very you know that, that for the iphone to be successful it had to be the sort of thing where everybody at apple would look at it and say oh yeah that's the best phone i got to get one of those mm -hmm. uh, how do they do if they make a, a watch and and you know emphasizing not just a, a wearable device but a watch how do they do that how do they say that's the best watch in a world where there's Rolex, Omega? Um, yeah, you know it was yeah. just I, I don't. Mean, Tim, Tim Cook wears a fuel band, right? You know, right. and he he loves it. Right, he uh, said on stage, it's like uh, this is you know they, Nike did a great job with this. I, well, I, okay. You know, I know. I just you know I notice it. Uh, I know that like Johnny Ive is clearly he's like a watch guy. And it even said, like in the the article that just came out over the weekend, it was in Time, it was reprinted from the uh, the London Sunday Times magazine, where the writer really? of the article even mentioned that he was wearing Johnny Ive was wearing. Uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here. Jaeger Le Coter. It's uh -huh. spelled J A E G E R L E C O U L T R E. I haven't. These are they're, It's a fantastic watch brand, but I mean these these are like. I think starting at like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a new one. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, and I forget yeah. the other. That's brand. what that's what I say. You know, it's just, it, how can Apple be best of breed in that market? I just you know, Apple doesn't do things for them. Meaning, let's make a let's make a tablet for dummies, right? We'll keep using our MacBooks and you know MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros, but let's make a computer for dummies and we'll, you know, make it with uh, a touch interface. That's not how they made the iPad. They made the iPad so because the, they wanted a, an iPad, right? right. They don't make right. it for others. Uh, they didn't make a cell phone. Well, we'll make a cell phone for, for them, but we'll keep using, you know, our Blackberries for our messaging and stuff like that. No, they made a phone that they 
would could do everything they wanted to do on a phone, right? They weren't going to make a phone that just played music because they were the iPad iPod company. They were going to make the phone that they wanted to make. If they if they were to make a watch, it would have to be the sort of watch that would make somebody you know that Johnny Ive himself would say, "I'm not going to wear this twenty thousand dollar Yager La Couture anymore. I'm going to wear this." I don't know how you do that. Yeah, yep. I'm not yep. saying they can't. I, uh, yeah, that's that's we're thinking the exact same thing here. It's just, it's just they're part of the problem too is the market's too broad, right? If if you got a a fuel band, you know, you've got a fuel band for a reason. You're, you know, you run every day or you swim every day or whatever. And that's, you know, that's something important to you. You know, Johnny Ive loves great design, right? So he's going to go out and spend, you know, $20,000 on a kick-ass watch. Um, you know, the, the, you know, what's the fuel band cost? Probably a hundred bucks or thereabouts, you know, a hundred dollars to $20,000. That's a huge range in that product category. Hmm. So, and, you know, and to be honest, the, you know, another aspect to it is is that the, the younger generation, you know, the ones that kind of, I mean, young people have a lot of disposable income, right? They're always the ones that, that define fashion trends, right? That, that, kind of point the culture in a, in a certain direction. None of them wear watches. Yeah, it's true. It's not, it's not a, it's a, you know, it's us old folks wear them. We're by none. In fact, I don't, I don't wear one anymore. I used to, I mean, I used to love watches. I, I don't, you know, I've got a watch on my lock screen. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty drastic. And I actually think it's probably, I would suspect pretty worrisome for the you know the, the mass market watch brands. I think that the ones the, the the type of brands that 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 well they they should be concerned, but maybe not overly concerned of the truly high end jewelry type watches, the Rolex, Omegas, the you know that level because that's that yeah. they have that whole status symbol type. It's artwork doesn't go out of style. Right, a piece of fine art. Right, it's like what you were saying earlier, right? It's like, you know, you're not going to see that crappy uh, cell phone on Antiques Roadshow in 20 years, but you know, fine piece of artwork, yeah, that's something that's ageless. It's the same way that like most of us don't wear neckties on a daily basis. A lot fewer fewer people than ever before, you know, grown men wear a necktie to go to work, Um, but you can still buy a tie. And you still look, everybody looks good, you know, when they get dressed up Uh, and a nice watch, you know, when you are dressed up, makes you look even better. I mean, there's, you know, like you, like you write in your article, it's not just status, it's fashion too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's take a break. Uh, We've got tons, tons more, but I I got, uh, I got, I got to, I got to take a break. I want to tell you about a new sponsor. Really happy to have these guys here. Harry's. What's Harry's? Well, Harry's is a company. It's like an independent company, and it's uh, all about making shaving easier. Here's the story. One of the founders, two founders, is uh, uh, two guys named Jeff and Andy. 
And here's, here's the story from Andy, one of the founders. He went to, I went to a drugstore, waited 10 minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held and bought a four pack of blades and some shaving cream. Uh, wasn't the best experience to say the least. I walked out, looked in my bag, and had a receipt for over $25 with products and brands that didn't really speak to me as a customer. I felt like there had to be a better way. Uh, so they started a new company. Uh, and they sent me a sample of the thing. So you can you can buy a kit. You get like a nice razor blade. Not in a fancy, not none of this stuff that looks like you can, uh, you know, like a straight razor type thing. It's like a, you know, type of, you know, type of thing that you're used to from mass market, uh, you know, razor like a safe, things. Like a yeah. safety razor? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, really nice. It's got a nice feel. The handle has a real nice feel to it, but it's nice and simple. Uh, it looks kind of classic. High quality blades that are engineered in their own factory in Germany for sharpness and strength. They sell blade refills at half the price of their competitors like uh, like Gillette or those type of companies. So they're not, it's not the sort of thing where like with Gillette and those other companies where the, the, you get your the handle real cheap and then they, you know, it's actually the, the famously the Gillette motto, you, you know, give away the razor, sell the blades. Uh, they sell the blades at half the price of their competitors. And there's really, really high quality blades. Uh, so they sent me a sample kit. I used it. Uh, it's great. It was absolutely, um, you wouldn't think, I, I, I didn't even know when I did. I thought, I actually thought when I was using it, um, that, well, that this is probably more expensive than something like Gillette because uh, it was really nice. Um, so Jeff, one of the other co-founders, he also co-founded uh, Warby Parker. Same exact type of story, mm. backstory, where they were, you know, just thinking, hey, there's got to be a better way than when I broke, you know, the guy broke his glasses and it was like a new pair of eyeglasses, like 700 bucks. And he's like, this can't be right. There, This is this can't be the, you know, the best price. It's exactly that. What Warby Parker is to eyewear, that's what Harry's is to shaving. So it's not just the razor, too. They, they have shaving cream, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Really, really great. I love these independent companies that are taking on, you know, uh, uh, like entrenched competitors like Gillette and stuff like that. Really encourage you to check it out. Um, go to harrys.com and use the promo code, the talk show. Use that when you check out. You don't need a special URL. Just go to harrys.com. Uh, use the talk show when you check out, though. And they're going to throw in, for you, using that code, you're going to get a free four-pack of blades with your first purchase. Uh, you can't beat that. Free razor blades. So go to harrys.com and use that code. Um, what else on watches? Just watches before we get into wearables. So you, you mentioned this. Uh, the display, right? What's the biggest battery drain on the <laughs> iPhone? It's yeah. the display, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a huge problem. So I, I, everybody glosses, everybody who makes these mock-ups glosses over this. You know, like when people make, uh, what do they call those uh, spec designs? Like, Yeah, the, the, the comps, the, the concept. Yeah. Like yeah. You linked to one. It was like, here's yeah. the watch Google. Here's the watch. It was like a Verge, a Verge story. Here's the watch that Google and Apple have to make. And it's like, right. and what it, the, the accurate headline would be: Here's a really cool idea for a watch that Apple and Google couldn't make because right. it's technically impossible. Here's a freaking pipe dream. 
Um, but like when yeah. you look at a regular traditional wristwatch, anytime you glance at your wrist, you can see the time because the there is no you know it's just hands. As long as there's light, you can see it. And if you have something like the Timex Indiglo or something like that, you hit a button and it lights up, and you can always see the time. Uh, whereas if it's any kind of LCD display, you can't. Unless somebody's invented something that I'm not aware of, you can't keep it on all the time. And if and, it's not on you, all the time, now it's not as good a watch. And you can't make it motion sensitive because we're always moving around. Right. Right. Um, it's it's you're, you're, you've got to have some sort of interaction or some sort of movement that triggers it to go on. And it's probably going to be you touching it. So, so it's Pebble, a two handed device, in other words. Pebble, along with several other, you know, entries in the current crop of of smartwatches uh uses e-ink instead of an mm -hmm. lcd display so that they can be on all the time without draining a battery really quickly but the e-ink is a it looks like 1996 it look really i've said this before but you i just can't emphasize it enough when i look at a, my pebble watch it looks to me like i'm wearing something from palm in 1996 that got taken to the future and that's not, I don't mean that in a complimentary way. I mean it in a, it really looks and feels like 20 year old technology. Uh, black and white screen with visible pixels, it just seems ridiculous. Plus, yeah, uh, it's not, think, go ahead. It, the contrast is so low that it's hard to read anyway. Yeah. It, it, do you see Apple adopting any kind of e ink technology in its current state? No. I don't at, at all. It's no. Just, it's just, it's just, it's. I think it has a lot of promise in the future, right? The density is going to increase. You know, there'll probably be a Retina e-ink display at some point in time. You know, there weren't Retina LCD displays initially. You know, it's taken you know, you know, since the '80s to to now, in, in order for that technology to mature, right? It would so, have to be a lot closer, a lot closer to the actual quality of print, real yeah, printed, you know, right. ink on paper. I'm right. not saying, and I'm not even ruling out that there could be that Apple could, in theory, someday do something using a, some some kind of monochromatic. It's not just the black and white; it's the the nature of Pebble's black and white. You know that it just to me it's, it's low contrast. It looks very very digital. It looks, you know, it, it doesn't look like ink on paper at all. Uh, I do. I recognize that that's a feature that the screen can be on. The display is on all the time and doesn't have to go off. Uh, but they also they do have a thing. They have like a backlight, um, and they do have a motion detector for it. But you have to kind of like so that it doesn't go off all the time. You have to like kind of flick it, right? And right. it works, and it's a pretty accurate flick detector. But I don't know the the days I've spent trying to wear the Pebble Watch all day. It's just you feel like a jerk flicking your, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It looks yeah. like you have like spasms or something. Right. It, it, it doesn't. It it just doesn't seem like a mass market product to me. Right. It just. Uh, I. You know. Yes. As geeks, with like a new shiny kind of pushing the boundaries toy. This is kind of cool. We're living in the future here. Could I see my sister in law, who, you know, loves her iPhone? Could I see her buying something like that? No way. Well, and it, you know, not to open it up into the whole Google Glass to direction but from a lot of people and i realize not everybody nothing is everybody but for a lot of people watches in general 
share a lot with glasses and especially sunglasses, but eyeglasses, all sorts of eyeglasses where people want to get, pick one that, that speaks to them design wise that, you know, uh, for a lot of people, a lot of people would say whether it's a watch or sunglasses or eyeglasses, they want one that looks cool. Yeah. Right. It's self-expression. It's self-expression. Clearly that's the word cool is, is maybe the most subjective word in, you know, late 20th century, early 21st century, Western civilization, you know, cool is whatever, you know, what do you think? Cool cool? Yeah. Cool is what you think when you see it, right? It's all about you. Right. But I'll tell you what, it's Google. When you were wearing Google, like the idea of a heads up display, kind of cool. What you look like wearing Google Glass, not cool. You yeah. do not look cool. Yeah. Nobody is going to want to, nobody wants to wear a watch that isn't cool. And I'll tell you what, the pebble is not cool. And flicking your wrist to get the backlight to go on, not cool. It's like nope. anti cool. So, but then yeah. what do you do? Right? I feel like it's it, just right there. And no, it just seems to me like so many people speculating on what Apple would do or what a good smartwatch would do. Just glance just glance right over that which is the it's like the elephant in the room where the whole point of these smartwatches is that they have a display but how do you power a display all day on a battery that fits in a watch and if you don't have it displayed all day then what do you just have a black uh screen on your wrist all day you know i for me it it's i want it whatever kind of wearable to be unobtrusive, right? I think those are the ones that succeed the most. I mean, it's you you want something that can provide you the information and not be in your face about it. I mean, that's the, that's the thing I see with these these quote unquote smart watches that are coming out. You know, it's, it's like, hey, look what I've got, right? I've got a big big ass piece of technology on my wrist. Um, I don't want that, right? It's no, I don't want that no more than I wanted a flip phone with all sorts of, you know, bells and whistles on it, right? And one of the things that attracted us all to the initial iPhone was the simplicity of it. Here's just a piece of glass, one button. It does awesome stuff. Um, a wearable, you know, I look at the wearables that are successful in my, and in my mind that they're the things like the, the Fitbits and the, the Nike Fuel Bands, and they don't have fancy displays, right? Right. They, you know, it's it's and it's and it in, in a lot of cases the technology can actually be hidden, right? Especially in the Fitbits, those the clip-ons. Yeah, I wouldn't even call I mean, it a you display. Could, it's more like indicators, right? Yeah, it's know. a it's a it's a fancy LED, right? right. It's it's a and. That for me is is the the direction I I could see Apple going right, going with that simplicity, keeping you know trying to figure out what people want, not what kind of technology they can deploy. Uh, you know, I look at one of the problems that I have with my iPhone is actually getting notified. You know, either the 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 buzzer goes off in my pocket and I don't notice that it has or you know even the, the sometimes you know the the audio cues 
you don't hear them while they're in your pocket or if you're in a noisy room or you know outside standing in traffic and yeah i think the, I there's think also sorts of going on it's like there's i think there's an opportunity there for you know notifications to be to be better basically part of it is that the the buzzer wasn't there a thing I, I might be misremembering which model it was but there was a model year of the iphone where they switched to a new technology for the vibrating the vibrator mm -hmm. like based on you know i didn't even know there was were competing technologies but based on like the iFixit tear, tear down but then they went back to the previous one i think with the five and i think they're still using the that one with the five s i don't know if it's that that it just doesn't vibrate hard enough I don't know if the nerves in my upper right thigh have gone numb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I I miss calls all the time now. I really yep. do. If I especially if I have it on silent, you know, because and I you know I often do have my phone on silent uh, when I go somewhere where I definitely don't want it to make a noise. Um, I miss the vi I, I I miss the vibrations, meaning I I I don't feel them. So imagine there being something like a ring or a clip or something that's, you know, not in your pocket, basically. I mean, I, I, I see the opportunity here is to get out of the pocket with some sort of device that's attached to the thing that's in the pocket, right? You know, it's right. a bridge between the outside and the inside. Um, you know, I look at it, a lot of women I know wear their Fitbit attached to the, their bra, right, in between the, the, the two cups. It's a very common place for women to 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 put the Fitbit. It's out of the way. You know, secure. they can get at it easy. It's secure. You know, maybe Apple's wearable is something that you clip to your bra. I mean, it, it, the, right. the, 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 the male tech could, industry will, right. will totally ignore that and go, oh, no way. Because, right. you know, it's that, that male egotism just, you know. But, hey, this is half the population. They're going to have a problem that you don't have, right? They don't have pockets. Like we do, hmm. unless they're wearing jeans. I don't know. Well, I couldn't see them doing that unless you could also clip it to pants or something. But yeah, but 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 that. Hey, Caleb, guess what? <laughs> no, leave it on. <laughs> What's your dog's name? What's his name? That's that's Pico. Pico, come here, come here. Uh, my brother-in-law's coming home from from work, so that's why he's all excited. Pico, I like that. Pico, yeah. He's he's a small dog, hence it's it's an engineering kind of pico nano. Yeah, like the text editor. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it, you know, the, a lot of people latched onto this this thing I wrote and said, "Oh, you know, chalk is is predicting an eye ring." No, it, it's like all I'm saying is let's think about things that could be. I love. Let's think about. Yeah, he, he's noisy. He's like he sort of has, has that chalk personality. <laughs> Keep going, just ignore him. That's, I say we go with. Uh, it. Okay, so the the idea is to, to start thinking about things that are not around your wrist. It's not to think, okay, it's going to be a ring. It may be something you clip on. It may be some sort of necklace. It's just, you know, think about it as something that is not. Wristbound, right? There well, are a lot of not opportunities watched. there. What it, right? It's all like it, I, to me. It's it, yeah, like you said. It's not necessarily n that you're predicting a ring. That was like your what if. Like what if it's not a watch, and you're just saying what if it were a ring? What could it do? Well, it could get your heartbeat. 
it could vibrate a little bit and you'd notice it. Um, one thing I saw from you was, uh, or, or when people were responding to your thing, if it is a watch, what's your thoughts on how they would do sizing? Would it be like a thing that, it, like uh, the way that some, like you can kind of like adjust a key ring or would it be that you'd have, you know, you'd get one in a certain size? I think Apple's pretty damn awesome at manufacturing stuff out of aluminum these days. Um, typically what happens with a ring is that the, you have the, the, the main design and the sizing is just done by adding or removing a little bit of metal right. at the, the junction point and at the bottom of the ring. And, you know, maybe it's something, some sort of manufacturing process, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it sounds like you're making a problem that's harder than a wristband for a watch. Well, that's true. But, you know, the watch has a lot of other, you know, issues. So, again, it's, it's you know, these are just things that, that could be useful, right? That I, it, one of the things that I, that I really see as an opportunity is for this – kind of wearable device is for you know the iBeacons has come out in iOS 7 and it's a lot of people don't really understand what it is but basically your phone can pick up these little bluetooth low energy signals that are being emanated by these devices now say for example you've got one of these beacons around your finger or around your chest or whatever iOS devices can know when you're nearby. It's a unique ID. It's a globally unique identifier, and that that n number can be transmitted to the iOS device. And, and uh, nearby is actually pretty pretty specifically measured. Yeah, it's 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 it, you know it's accurate to within inches. You right. know, it's, it's you know it's a couple feet. It's not uh, it's not like. You know the government's going to be tracking you because right. you you've got this ring on. I mean, you, uh, um, somebody, uh, uh, Tim Van Dam actually from, uh, I, I think he's at uh, Dropbox now. He used to be at Instagram and yeah. Facebook and a bunch of other places. He had a really interesting idea. One of these things is you know imagine getting into a rental car with this device on, and all of a sudden it knows what music you like. Hmm. Right, you know, it, it's the, you know, the iOS device in the car recognizes your Ring's ID number, goes to iTunes, and you know, starts streaming music off your, uh, uh, you know, your iTunes, what iTunes Match account, right? For example, or from your your preferences for iTunes Radio. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe it knows, oh, you've got some podcasts you need to listen to here. You want to listen to any of these. And it's, right. it's, it, like, you know who I would not want to be? I do not. I would not want to be a Sirius XM because Sirius XM, which we have in our car, and it's kind of a cool idea. And it's, I think it's in a lot of ways better than terrestrial radio, but they're stuck with their satellites. It's, yeah. I forget what the kilobit per second is, but it's pretty bad. And I have bad ears. Like I've mentioned this on the talk show, you know, recurringly. I don't have good hearing. I don't have audiophile ear. I don't even the opposite. I mean, I come from a long line of Gruberman who go half deaf by the time they're getting older. Um, 
but even I can hear that Sirius XM music is really compressed. Like, yeah, it's, it's it, crunchy. It, yeah. It's really pretty bad quality-wise. Uh, and so, you know, and you can tell, like, when a good song comes on, you're in the mood for it, and you turn it up, it just sounds worse, right? Like, yeah. you, that's yeah. sort of the, like, the worst thing you can say about an in-car music technology is when a good song comes on and you turn it up, it sounds worse. Like, because you want the opposite. You want right now. I want this to sound great because this is, you know, I'm in the mood for this song. Yeah, um, but the, the 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 thing is that that's another industry that's ripe for right. getting killed. And I've by already the got data the, networks. The thing is, is you know, most of the time when I'm in my car, I've already got a pretty high quality uh, IP connection in the car because my phone's with me. Right, and I realize that there are things like. You know that most of us right now have a pretty relative to like broadband at home. We have a small data cap per month, uh, and you you know if you have like an hour and a half commute or something like that, you don't necessarily right now today in 2014 you may you may not I, I, you might go over your data limit if you were streaming uh, high quality music over your phone all the time when you're in a car. But soon enough, you know, within a few years, that's that's not going to be a problem. Uh, with, I can re- I can remember when a 10, 10 megabyte hard drive cost five thousand dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, it's not I, that long ago, really. Right. <laughs> so you know, this is you know, yeah, okay, this that's a problem, but it's a temporary problem. Right. I mean, right. uh, that 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 whole P cell thing is looks right. like oh my god, that's awesome. All right, it's going to be IP all the way. Right, right, and you know, so so one of the the. The, the Google Wear thing came out yesterday, and I had this insight that, you know, one of the things that drew us to the original iPhone was the fact that we could touch the screen and directly manipulate it, right? That, that there was a, a very visceral connection there that, you know, our finger, you know, the first time you did slide to unlock, it's like, wow, this is freaking magic. It really was. But there's a problem now, and that they, the, Devices aren't able to talk back to us other than through audio, vibration, or display. Right? There's, you know, the the idea of some sort of haptic feedback. Right? The, have you ever read that thing that uh, that uh, Brett Victor wrote? Uh, I think he called it a. Here it is. Uh, a brief rant on the future of interaction design. And it's just really about how our devices, we can't feel them, right? We really, the, the, the tactile, you know, of, of the vibration that, the, you know, the little motor inside of the, the iPhone makes, is it's, it's nothing. It's the most that we get, right? but it's the best we have. Right. Yeah, it's the best we have. So right we now. love so the, you know, slide to unlock. I mean, it was. You're right, and you yeah, know, Steve but, Jobs but it's loved like, it, and it was. You know, it was. It was. It was you know, he de- and it is funny when you rewatch that that keynote. He he demos slide to unlock like a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, but you it, don't. You know, you don't feel a slider moving under your finger. Exactly. You. you it's like you. You can't feel it hit the end of that that channel. So right? the key you can't. Yeah. You know, you use the Apple rem- remote, and it's like it's unless you're looking at the screen, you're sometimes you get lost. I mean, it, it, you know, it's one of the things that the BlackBerry 
people are still hanging right. to. Oh, it's got a you know keyboard you can feel. Right. Well, and it does. That is worth something. That's not to say that yeah. it means it's worth yeah. carrying a BlackBerry, but it is certainly a thing. And it's you know like when you buy a nice stereo or whatever, and it has like a volume knob that just feels nice. Like it has just the right glide to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, that's one of that's one of the more interesting things to me about uh, the CarPlay, right? Is that previously, I mean, there was there's a little bit of back channel. Um, on the Apple TV, right? You know, if, if you yeah. pause the Apple TV with your remote, it actually updates some status on your iPhone. You know, shows the the player state, that kind of stuff. But the CarPlay has got knobs and switches and things that are coming back to iOS to to give iOS some idea of of you know your tactile intentions, right? You've got a real volume knob. You, know, you can turn that knob, and, it, and it, I'm sure you know the the volume knob in these high end European cars is going to feel awesome. Right? Yeah, they, they always do. Right, it's supposed to. Yeah, if it doesn't, you're not, you're going to be like, oh, this is a piece of crap. I don't want it. But you know that tactile information is now making its way back to the device. Yeah, I think that's an important thing, right? And it makes me think that okay, it's it's pretty obvious that that you know Ben Thompson called it the uh, uh, digital hub 2.0, right? It's like the the hub used to be your Mac, right? It's the thing that had iTunes on and everything fed iTunes. The new digital hub is really that device in your pocket. Yeah. Right? And what connects to it is, is important now, right? Okay, you're connecting to your car. You're connecting to some sort of wearable device. You're connecting to Apple TV, you know, what's the next thing you're going to connect to? A couple of years ago, might have even been before the iPhone. Maybe not. Maybe it was after the iPhone. But Philip Greenspun, Phil G, um, mm-hmm. had a blog post where he was like, look, here's the computer I want. It's a phone. And you carry it with you wherever you go. And then when you sit at your desk, you dock it. And as soon as it's docked, instead of using the phone's display, it uses the, you know, 30-inch t- display on your desk. And you can use a mouse and keyboard and then when you're done, you just undock it and you put it back in your pocket and you go. And therefore, you have one computer and it's a desktop when you're at your desk and it's a phone when it's in your pocket. Right. Um, and, you know, Motorola actually made that. I forget what they called it, the Attrax or something like that. Yeah, to talk about a product before it's right. ready. It's, yeah. it, there's, a, there's a kernel of a great idea there. And I don't think it's... And I've never, I never, I, I think the fundamental error there is that you don't want one device that has two completely different interfaces. Because if when you're at your desk and you want mail to look a certain way because it's a big giant display, um, and then you undock it, where does that window go? Like, just think about how annoying it is sometimes, like when your monitors changes, or it's not as much a problem as it used to be. But remember, like, when games would change the size of your display? Yeah. Yeah. on your Mac, and then like you play the game, and then as soon as you're done playing the game, all of your windows are the wrong size. Yeah, or your icons are all messed yeah, up. Yeah, and your icons are neatly ordered right. to rows. It's like, ah! It was, it was maddening. And, yeah. you know, I, it's, but I do think there's a kernel of a good idea there. But docking, too, is like an old 80s idea. You don't need to dock. The only thing, no. reason you should ever dock no. is to get power. Um, I, it's just in your pocket, and it just, you know, it can all be wireless. There's power no reason is another to dock. interesting. 
power is another interesting thing. We touched on it earlier that the display is a huge draw on that battery. Right. But you know, anything that that's that's wearable, it's gotta last a couple days at least. At least. Yeah, but and think about and again it comes back to the traditional watch world where uh you know, mechanical watches last as long as long as you wear it every day, they they never need power. And mm-hmm. even if you don't, you just quick wind it, you know, and, and 15 seconds later, it's powered for the day. Like, so if you have a, you know, a mechanical watch and it, you haven't worn it in a while and it's the hands are stopped, you set the time, you wind it 20 times and then you're done. Whereas if your electronic device, like you wake up in the morning and your watch, your, you, you know, smartwatch is dead. You're screwed because you got to get yeah. going. You got to go to work. You've got to charge it in a car or yeah. something like that. You know, you got to, you have to wait for it to charge. It's a huge pain in the ass. Um, quartz watches, the watches most people who wear watches wear. The batteries last years, usually. You know, you get two or three years. It's like a weird once every couple of years thing when the battery winds yeah, up. Yeah, you, you're, you're totally surprised when it happens, and you can't remember the last time you I had a watch, put a new battery in. I had know. a watch one time. I forget what brand it was. But, you know, it wasn't. It was like a, like a Swiss Army watch or something. It cost like 100 bucks. And it had a thing where when the battery got low, the second hand only updated once every four seconds or three seconds, uh, something like that. So it still kept the right time, but you'd clearly notice that yeah. something was wrong because the second hand only moved every three seconds, which right. was kind of – It gave you a little bit of a heads up that, okay, you need to head down to the watchsmith and Yeah, and it was like – you know, Yeah, and yeah. I don't even know how – you know if it, how long that would have lasted but you know that day i went and got a new battery and it was fine so i didn't even i didn't even have a day where it was dead whereas with yeah. you know my phone i don't know i think it's a lot to ask any of us to do is to have another device as needy of power as our phones like we've all yeah. you know yeah. and then hopefully yeah. at some point in hindsight we're all going to look back at this decade and laugh at ourselves for what slaves we are to power for our phones. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's a lot to ask any of us to do, especially regular consumers, to add a second device to that sort of uh, that sort of dependency on charging, you know, once once a day. Yeah, and that's and and because it's it's something you wear it's something you i mean a lot of times for example rings are uncomfortable to remove right they get so yeah i can't get my wedding attached you know your wedding ring like you know it's it's getting it over the damn knuckle it's like ah right so you know and yeah taking a watch off taking a watch off right you know it's like you gotta mess with the, the the strap and you know it's it's not just it's not like you take the phone out of your pocket and just slam it down into the dock or right. you know, pop the lightning connector in. It's not that simple. So yeah, it's that's. I think that's you know that again kind of leads me into the the thought that it's got to be simple, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's coming up with these grand ideas, um, and it they just you know they're physically impossible. Yeah. Let me do a second sponsor break, and we'll keep going. Sure. I want to tell you about another new sponsor. Delighted to have them, Branch Fire. Branch Fire is a Chicago-based startup dedicated to building software that helps people work better. Their flagship product 
I annotate was the first PDF annotation app developed for the iPad. And it's still among the top productivity apps in the app store. I annotate lets you read, markup, organize, and share documents right on your iPad. Uh, they've got over a million users worldwide, students and teachers to Hollywood actors and screenwriters, uh, have used it to take their PDF workflow paperless. They've got killer features and awesome support. Uh, and it's just a terrific, terrific app. Uh, so building on IO and annotates success. The Branchfire team is right now, as we speak, probably literally at this very moment, hard at work on an exciting new mobile and desktop product called Folia, F-O-L-I-A. Um, not out yet, but you can follow them on Twitter, Branchfire, or I guess you say at, at Branchfire. How do you pronounce the, the, the at symbol? Like if at. you're giving out a, yeah. So at yeah, Branchfire at. on Twitter. Um, they're on something, there's something called Facebook. They're on that too. Uh, I don't know what that is, but you can follow there. And they've got, they're giving hints, they're dropping hints about what, what Folia is and they're giving information. Um, but for I Annotate, which is out right now, been out for a while, big hit in the App Store. Here's where you can go to find more. Go to www.branchfire.com slash Get I annotate. Get I annotate. Um, I'll bet you could find it if you just Google for I annotate. But if you use that URL I gave you, they'll know you came from the show. So my thanks to Branchfire. All right, let's talk about the the the, the Android uh, Wear announcements this week. I here's what I think. Well, I, I've, I've I haven't linked to it yet from Daring Fireball. We're recording this a little early. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, March 19th. Um, so it's been a day. I still haven't linked to it because I've been letting it, I want to think because I, I, I'm always a little wary, especially as time goes on because I, I more and more, I, I, when I write about Google and Android, I know that it's uh, um, against it, negative, you know. So, and I, that makes me cautious to do it because my first thought was a lot largely negative that it's just vaporware. So I wanted to think before I wrote but more and more, what I think when I hear this is I think of January 2010, about six weeks before Apple uh, had the original iPad introduction, and Steve Ballmer's at CES, and he's uh, he mentioned used the word slate about 72 times and had the, the HP slate. Here's the HP slate. It's going to be the best tablet computer ever made, blah, blah, blah. I, don't, I think it wound up it didn't even ship. But there he was on stage parading around with this HP slate that was, you know, running Windows 7 or some whatever crap was out at the time. And it just looked like a fool. He looked like a fool then. And in hindsight, this looks like an even bigger fool because clearly it wasn't because this HP slate was something that was worth bragging about at that keynote event. It was because they knew Apple was coming out with a tablet and they wanted to come out with something first. Or they wanted to announce yeah. something first because they didn't come out with yeah. it, and that's yeah, what I think. I, yeah. My my quip on uh, on on Twitter was, you know, the the fact that they called it Android Wear, you know, they're hedging their bets, right? Oh, you definitely. It's they didn't call it Android Watch, or you know, that's obviously what you know the the initial thing is going to be. They, you know, maybe they're, they're they're being smart about it. You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they they realize that wearable devices are 
you know, it's a future category and it's pretty broad. You know, it's like saying, you know, fashion, right? Well, like it, fashion can be everything from shoes to, you know, to, to watches to, you know, clothing. Right. It could so, wind up being something. Could wind up being something really good, cool, and popular. But this is not something. This is technology. It's it's not a product. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. like, and, and I know Motorola was one of the people they've announced, you know, and they're still, like, they haven't divested themselves of them yet. They're still part of Google, but... Here is from the Verge story on Motorola's watch, which I think is called the it's a Moto 360. Uh, right. There are still more questions than answers about the Moto 360. Well, no fucking shit. Uh, <laughs> this is the guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll second that. This is the guy, Jim Wicks, who's the designer at Motorola behind it. Uh, there are still more questions than answers. I can't, I mean... The, the designer said that? Uh, no, the, that was from The Verge. <laughs> the oh, Verge God, is right. okay. But, but it says Wix was, Wix was tight-lipped about battery life, the particulars of the software and user interaction, and even the diameter of the watch face. Uh, it's not large, but it's not small either, was as specific as he'd get. Uh, right? So it's you know, like... It, it's like they, they, they glossed... I mean, the, the, those, That's everything. The were so, <laughs> we're so... not going to tell you the battery life. We're not going to tell you the display technology. We're not going to tell you how the user interface and software work. Oh, and we're not even going to tell you how big the goddamn thing is. <laughs> well, what else is there? Well, it, it was so obviously fake to me, too, right? Yes. It's just like, it's like those, are, those are just some, some fake screenshots. It's just, you know, that some video guy was doing compositing of some high, really high resolution They're not even good fakes. Stuff. Yeah, and it was just, you know, and one of the ones they, they showed was a round face. Now, yeah, it's it's possible to do that round face, but if you know anything about L- LCDs, they're, they're laid out in a matrix. You know, it's a square matrix of semiconductors. Right. Right? It's graph paper. How do you, how, how do you make, yeah, it's graph paper. How do you make that round? Well, you're going to have to be cutting off parts of some of those squares, which means they're not going to light up. So, you know, just the the, the the notion of a round face on a smartwatch is problematic from the get-go. You know, not even talking about the software, yeah. but just the, the physical connections of this thing, right? It's like, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, the people that, to talk about you know an iPhone screen that goes edge to edge. Well, great, but where are the interconnects, right? How does that display connect up? You know, it's so easy to gloss over physical problems, you know, in industrial design when you're doing these concepts. Right. Well, in any design, though, that's you know whether it's hardware yeah. design or software yeah. design, solving yeah. solving problems, every single problem along the way. Is that, that that is design, right? It's that, the, the devil's know. in the details, right? right? And, and you can skip you know. it for now. It's like taking a test where you're not allowed to have blank answers, right? You can skip question seven, but when you're designing a product, eventually you've got to come back to it and you've got to get an yep. answer to it, right? Right. There has to be right. some, uh, you know, some answer to the question of, you know, how does it, you know, how does it connect, or whatever the problem. Uh, the other thing I thought with this is that they've, you know, they, they're going, uh, uh, 
you know, an Android-like, well, it is Android, it's Android Wear, it's some kind of derivative. But, you know, just like with the phones and tablets where different hardware makers, you know, can make different designs. But if some are square and some are rectangular and some are circular, and they're all, even if they're big watches, right? And somebody said that one of these round Android Wear ones was like a 40, 46 millimeter diameter. And by, you know, like a standard men's size is somewhere around like 38 millimeters. And may, maybe because watches have been getting bigger fashion-wise, maybe you call 40 the standard now, but 46 is bigger. Not humongous. And there's probably a lot of people out there, you know, who have 46 millimeter regular men's wristwatches, but it's pretty big. But overall, though, as a computer display, that's small, right? I mean, you know this yeah. from, from all yeah. the iPhone apps you've done. Yeah. A three and a half inch or a four inch iPhone screen is a small display. And a lot of times, you know, like if you're doing something like, let's say, a Twitter app, that's a really small canvas to work on to do something like, hey, let's show the user's timeline and and whatever yep. the problem is. So if you're talking about a 46 millimeter, either a, a square or a circle, that's really small. Uh, and the difference between a circle and a square is humongous in terms of... Uh, layout <laughs> right in terms of layout you effectively you know and in, in the way that like you, you'd have to design an app twice already on day one you'd have to have two complete designs to support just square and circle well you know what it's going to be like it's going to be like you know in the early days of hd tv you know where you had the standard broadcast screen that kind of was like either scrunched in or expanded out you know you, you were either seeing black bars on the side or you're cropping content on the top and the bottom right you know, i take mean your pick take your pick right. and, and you know what it's gonna look bad either way i promise you right i mean just think about like the iphone like you know like on a on a square or a rectangle you know what are where some pretty convenient spots the corners Right, yeah. looking on on the phone, you've got your battery in a corner. Yeah. You've got your signal indicator in a corner on your home screen. I'm looking at it right now. I've got my little shortcut to get to the phone in a corner. Well, guess what? On a if you draw an oval on the iPhone screen, they're all gone. Yeah, yeah. It it also seemed in that that promo video that 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 some of the swipe interactions were just kind of like you know, I couldn't make any rhyme or reason to them. No, right? I couldn't like, either. Where, you know, swiping up, what is it? Does that have any kind of standard thing? It's like, nah, I don't see anything kind of standard there. It's just like the guy decided to swipe up and something magically appeared. You know, it's so what are you just going to swipe around until you find what you want? Or is there some sort of, you know, conceptual hierarchy to this, this information? Uh, and again, and, and that, you know, how you transition between those, it totally changes whether it's a circle or a square. Yeah, it just it just it just seems very. All of these things add up to just being kind of vapory. There is one aspect of Google Wear, and it's not. It, it's totally obvious. I mean, everybody I think has thought of it. It's so obvious that maybe people don't even think about it as an idea. Um, but because it's Android, they've already got that. This is what I'm about to say. They've already got it working. And because it's Google, they actually have a pretty good version of it, but it's text to speech. Because that's a huge problem with the Pebble to me is okay, so you hook it up, you turn on Bluetooth, you sync it with your phone, and all of a sudden when you, you get a text, you get a little thing on your wrist and you can see it. Well, now what? If it's a text that's important, 
you've got to yeah. take your phone out of your pocket to write back. So what what right. exactly did you get saved other than that problem I did mention earlier where sometimes I'll get a text and I don't notice that the thing went off in my pocket. But in that case, the, the fact that the watch has a screen is meaningless. All I need is something on my body that notifies me. Hey. Yeah, right? Exactly. But with this, I will say that there that does take it up a level where if you've got the the Google Now integration and you get a text on your watch, you can say to the watch, "Okay, tell Craig I'll be ready in 15 minutes." Okay, you were just you were just a, a moment ago worried about looking dorky while you flicked your wrist. How right. dorky are you going to look when sitting there like, you know, the secret service agent, you know, talking into your wrist? Well, I could see it being useful in the car, maybe, but that's to me is, but there, you know, but you then don't you, drive a stick shift, do you? Oh no, I don't actually. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Uh, it, 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 well, it, but they also have the thing where it's always listening for OK Google or whatever it is. So you don't have to push a button on the watch to make it listen. Oh, I bet. I bet if you're if you're out on a busy street with there's a lot of noise on the street. Yeah, that's gonna work great. Yeah, I don't. You know, again, you're gonna have to point the you're gonna have to point the microphone at your face. The devil's in the details, and I'm with you on that. I'm just saying, in theory, it's it, it is. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It, it goes back to the point of there need to be other ways of interacting with our devices, right? And I think voice is is one of the things. You know, Siri has got some problems. Google, I mean, let's give credit where it's credit to do. Google Now is pretty awesome. Yeah, and at right. least in terms the, of accuracy. The Google's, yeah, Google's accuracy is better. It, it just is. You I know, will they, say this. They, I, I Do you think that, am I nuts? Am I just, uh, am I kidding myself? But I think Siri has gotten significantly better. I, I agree that the Google stuff is still ahead, but I feel like I feel like Siri is, is actually a lot better than it ever has been before. Yeah, it, it's, well, it improves the more data you feed it. Right, it does, the more different kind of voices that interact with it, the more kinds of questions that are being asked, you know, it, largely it, it gets know, better over time. And I call and, all the features of Siri Siri. Largely, it's not the 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 intelligent agent part. To me, largely, it's the text to speech. And as you know, here on the yeah. East Coast, it's you know winter. So if I'm out and I do get a text. Uh, it's really, really great. It is. I, I, you know, I don't like messing around with those. The the touchscreen gloves never work right for me. They're not good enough. But I can use Siri with the glove with gloves on. All I do is push the yeah. button, and I can dictate it, a text, and it works the, great. I the, think my this, my my primary use case is just to give myself reminders. Right. You know, pull yeah. the phone out. You know, yeah. reminder to water the plants at five p.m. Yep. Done. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's it works better than it ever has before. I'm not saying I don't know that I don't think it works as well as Google's, but it's getting there. And I think it's at least keeping pace. Uh, I think Google's been collecting data longer, so then, right. you know, they're 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 more refined. It's, it's that's why Google Maps is so much better, right? They've been collecting data longer than than Apple has right. and, and I, making corrections to that data. I so. do think it's a useful feature on the phone, and I use it, like I said, especially here in the winter where my hands are so cold, I can you know, send a couple of text messages without actually using the keyboard and taking my gloves off. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the root of the whole thing and Apple's interest in it is beyond you know, the phone. It's in devices that won't have a display. Yeah. Or if they do, don't have a display that could fit a keyboard. 
Well, that's one. That's one of the things that's interesting about CarPlay. Again, you know, back to that is, is it, you know, it's the ability to talk to your car to, to do things is awesome because it keeps your eye on the road, right? You know, you don't have to look at fiddly little knobs, right? You know, you can just say, I, in fact, I've got uh, my VW has a little button you press, and I can say, you know, call somebody's name. Yeah, I used and, to have that in my and it and it and it just it makes a phone call. And I don't have to go fiddling around through address books or find a contact or whatever. It just it just it it's like magic. Right? And I've haven't you know haven't been distracted. Right? That's that's also one of the challenges with CarPlay, right? You know, it's like the, and it's kind of in the manufacturer's hand is, is to how they minimize distractions. Um because you, know, you you don't want you don't want people to be staring at a display while they're driving. No, definitely not. In fact, bad you, UI. Right, it's dangerous. No, it's, yeah, UI. truly dangerous. Right, somebody's going to get hurt. No, I'm I'm sort of as I rocket towards old age. That's like my, you know, you goddamn kids. You know, you're going <laughs> to exactly. You can, you know, it's so off. It's so obvious when you see somebody who's texting or talking on the phone. Oh my god, I, I know, see it all without the time. using hands free. I see it all the time as a pedestrian, you know, because I walk most of the yeah, time here in yeah, Philly. And when yeah. I see somebody texting and driving, it, it, it makes me furiously angry, just furious. Yeah, I would, honest to God, I honest to God would rather see someone just drinking a beer. <laughs> I really would, because at exactly. least their eyes are on the road, and, and they'll be slowing down and looking for cops, right? right. <laughs> Yeah, honest to God, if I if I I would rather that to see somebody drinking a beer while they drive than than texting. Really would. Yeah, um, absolutely, far I mean, less dangerous. You know, I, I don't want to see somebody who's you know blind drunk driving. Right. But yeah, yeah, I'm not endorsing drunk driving or even drink or even drinking while driving. I'm not. I'm just saying I honestly feel that strongly about it with the texting. And it's it's I think it you know statistics bear it out. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. Uh, let me let me just take a final break here. I want to thank our third yeah. and final sponsor. This is great. The perfect trifecta: three new sponsors. Uh, and I love 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 that this is like a sort of out of left field idea. Do you like Caesar salads, Craig? Oh, I love Caesar salad. Oh. The, My wife makes an awesome Caesar salad dressing. <laughs> here we go. The best Caesar. It's a new spin on an old favorite. Uh, forget what you know about a Caesar salad. This is not your ordinary gloppy egg-based version. I, I've never had an egg-based Caesar salad, so I'm not quite sure what they're talking about. But this is different. It's got bite. It's bold. It's edgy. It's sharp. Uh, the best Caesar is a project years in the making, and it's close to the heart of its creator, a guy named Tyson Kaylee. He learned the recipe as a kid from his father, and he's made it his whole life for friends and family. And so what he's done with this family recipe for Caesar salad is he's built a single-purpose app because he simply wanted a way to teach this recipe to everyone. So you'll find the mouth-watering recipe in the app, uh, and it's got great photography from uh, Tyson's friend Katie New Newburn. Katie Newburn. Uh, great visuals. It's been featured by Apple in the App Store food and drink section as a, as a best new app. And it's available free for iPhone and iPad. 
Satisfy your craving, get the app, learn the recipe, enjoy it for a lifetime. Talk show listeners, here's the deal. Tyson's only wish is for you to make the best Caesar and share it with your friends and uh, post photos via the app's integration with Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. How do you get it? Head on over. Here's the website, www.thebestcaesar.com slash the talk show www.thebestcaesar.com slash the talk show and uh, you'll get this great app. I love a Caesar salad. Caesar salad is my go-to appetizer. You ought to tell people how to spell Caesar. I, there are going to be a lot of people making that mistake like I just made it. C-A-E-S-A-R. C-A-E-S-A-R. Do you know why Caesar's Palace in Vegas, why it doesn't have an apostrophe? No. Uh, so the guy who, who invented it, who uh, founder of the, the casino, and I think it was like 1967, 68, a guy named Jay Sarno. There was a Kickstarter book from a, a, a professor of like gambling history at UNLV uh, that I bought, and it's a great book. Uh, it was called, uh, what's it called? The Grandissimo which is the name of Jay Sarno's. I uh, uh, never got to build it. It was, it was like going to be his like uh, masterpiece follow-up. Uh, anyway, Grandissimo is a great book. But anyway, he uh, came up with the name. said it's going to be called Caesar's Palace. And then somebody pointed out to him that it did, you know, needed an apostrophe. And I think, nobody knows, but I think the gist is that maybe he like made a mistake. But he said, oh, no, no, no. There's not just one Caesar. Every man who steps foot in this casino is a Caesar. There you go. That's the name. So anyway, that's why I just assume everybody knows Caesar's Palace and that they know how to spell Caesar. C-A-E-S-A-R. What a great idea. I love... And I, yeah. And uh, a good Caesar salad, that's a that's a, that's a important thing to know how to make. I just love that this, this guy has devoted his life to like perfecting the Caesar salad. I love it. I think that's such a... I mean, I, there's some great photography on this website. I mean, <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm at... Uh, I know what we're 11, doing after... <laughs> it's 11 o'clock p.m. here, and I haven't eaten yet, but I, I have to admit, it is a very, very attractive website. Yeah, get some uh, romaine lettuce in the fridge. Too. Yeah, at the very least, everybody <laughs> should check out the website because oh, it's... Yeah, yeah uh, it's a beautiful site. Yeah. yeah. Somebody obviously loves design. Yeah. And and loves good food too. So that's a good combo. It does look like a good Caesar salad, I have to say. Definitely mm. have to say. God damn it, now I'm hungry. We started with orange juice and now we're on to Caesar salad. salad. Okay. God. Let's talk about steaks. <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> F you. That's what I like before a steak though. I mean um, only only other thing I like before a steak is uh maybe French onion soup. But if I don't, you know, it's either that or a Caesar salad. All right, last thing I want to talk about, and I think this, uh, I want to, it's sort of like a zoom back up. The bottom line to me on, on the Android Wear is just come back to me when you have a real product and you can tell me what the battery life is and what it actually does and what it actually costs and how it works. I say you got to zoom all the way back out to the big picture. And you talk about this in the, in the article on, on Furbo, which is you got to start by asking yourself, what are the problems that we can solve? Right, like, how how can we put a watch? 
uh, OS, a watch OS. I mean, not a watch OS, a phone OS. How do you take a phone OS and put it on your wrist? That's not solving a problem. That's that's just you know doing a trick, right? You're not solving an actual problem for actual users by just doing that. It has to do something. It has to, you know, I, I don't want to be corny, but it has to be meaningful to people's lives. Right. It's like it, for most people, it's not a chore to pull the phone out of their pocket and interact with it. That's not that's not a chore. Right. Uh, so, for example, so for example, famously for for years and years, I mean, probably decades even. Uh, people would say, "What if, what if Apple made a cut down version of Mac OS that could run on a handheld computer, right?" That, and it's a great idea, and you can imagine things you would do with it. But in and of itself, that's nothing. It actually has to, and you know, eventually they did it. That's what the iPhone is. But they, it had to actually solve problems, and the problems that it solved were things like, "How can I read my email while I am away from any computer? How can I?" talk to people you know how can i make phone calls how can i listen to music without carrying a separate device just to listen to music those are real problems and though the iphone had real solutions to it i feel and like if, better yet better yet it even had it solved problems that you didn't know you had yes it, it enabled you to do things like go on the internet and do price comparisons while you're shopping for something Exactly, right, right. It, it right. gave you, you know, somebody's you're, you're having a discussion during dinner and somebody says, you know, when was the first watch invented? And, you, you know, go to Wikipedia. You know, it, it, it enabled a lot of new things, you know, problems you didn't know you had or you, you, you didn't know how, how satisfying it would be to, to come up with solutions to those problems. Right, you didn't look at them as something that, oh my God, this is you know this is something that makes my life worse. It's like it was something that enriched your life, right? You know, not it's, it's there's a subtle difference there. And yeah, I, I would say like in another a perfect example of of the sort of question that I never really thought about in advance, and but now I use all the time is okay. I'm somewhere unfamiliar i'm traveling i'm in a new city where should i eat mm. right yeah and, and you know there's different ways that you can solve that using a phone but you know the phone solves it really pretty well yep you used to just be yeah. what well i don't know go down if you're in a hotel ask the hotel you know they don't know what to do they, they'd probably just send you to wherever they're getting kickbacks from right exactly and you know it it also allows you to find your way around, you know, public transport. I mean, I know I use public transport a lot more because, you know, you know, I arrive in New York City and I've got, you know, all the transit information I need right. in my pocket. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Um Yeah, I think that that's that's the I'm hoping that, you know, that the thing that Apple comes up with has some of these surprises, like, you know, the ability, you know, I, I had no idea how important it would be to have Safari in my pocket. See, you that, know, that I just, could have imagined. That, I yeah, really could have. that, that to me was, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, I can, you know, read some web pages. Oh, I can, you know, oh. I can do, I can do, you know, read my RSS no, feeds. No, I can wait, do no, my wait. Twitter. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step back. I'm going to erase that last answer. I take it back. Actually, no, because I never would have anticipated how usable the web could be on that size of a screen. So I take right. it back. 
yeah. I do take it back. Yeah. That I my my initial it. reaction, my initial reaction is it's like, ah, I don't really want to have email when I'm out and about. You know, I don't want people to be able to bug me. I mean, they bug me enough with email in the office. I want to be able to go and be free of email. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, it is pretty awesome. Like if you're expecting an email from somebody to be able to check for it while you're out. Or, it, 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 or well, we'll look at or this too. If you think of something to email someone, instead of yeah. making a to-do to, hey, email yeah. Craig about uh, sending me his audio from the talk show, I just email you. <laughs> you know, you just do it. Like yeah, it's always yeah. a huge step up when you can, instead of making a reminder to do something, do something. Yeah, so... You know that that's that's my hope with this wearable technology, right? Is it's going to enable things that we're not even thinking of. You know, there are a lot of smart people at Apple. They and they're they're clearly thinking hard about this problem. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and the saying. health book stuff has leaked leaked this week. Mark Gurman had a, some kind of somebody leaked the the. Yeah, that 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 was that was an awesome thing that he wrote up there. Yeah, that's, he's got some ace sources. I'll tell you, and I bet somebody yeah. somebody in Apple is pissed. I don't, I don't think it's probably Apple. I think it's probably a partner. Yeah, that's, my, my guess would be that. that 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 you know that that HealthBook is going to aggregate data from different sources. So you know maybe it's got some Nike Fuel Band integration. Who knows? Well, and, and who um, knows whether it'll change or not too, because it's only uh, March, and I'm guessing that this is something that we're going to see at WWDC in June. Oh yeah, absolutely. But we're only guessing absolutely. that WWDC is going to be in June. I mean, it's a informed guess but it's informed only by the last five or six years of that right. happening a, it, but the gist of what we can see from this the leak the the leak stuff that german had is a sort of passbook style it's like a sister app to passbook like what passbook is for those type of cards health book is it's you know not just the name that's similar but it's a similar interface but that makes me think that it's also meant like passbook where third parties can add their stuff yep Exactly. So it's not. Uh, it's it's not. And I, I expect one of those third parties is the one who's leaking it. I wonder. That would I be, do I'm, wonder. Um, that's. I mean, Apple. Apple has a pretty good culture of security. Yeah. Right. I. Apple. It's indoctrinated with Apple employees that you know you just don't talk about what you're working on. It's really that simple. Um, and the Apple employees, I know, I I know better than to ask, and you know they they're just not going to say anything. Um, some third party, they don't have that culture. Some QA engineer or something that you know worked for Nike might have yeah. slipped somebody some screenshots and a, you know, here uh, this is what this does, and you know that all of a sudden there's a story. Yeah. So, and you know, and, you know. Mark Gurman doesn't talk about his sources. He doesn't talk about the stuff he writes. And that's, you know, that's from, for his, the business he's in, that's a good way to handle it. Right. Keep, you know, keep your sources to yourself. So what, what, what are some of the problems that you think can't, you know, and again, I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't believe that I can even think of all the things that, that wearable technology is going to be able to do 10 years from now, but I can think of some of them. And I, you know, we know about exercise trackers, right? Foot, you know, step and, and step tracker type things because they exist now, right? There's the fuel band and the Fitbit and the phone. Even the phone itself even does it now with the the A7 processor. Mm-hmm. Um, M7, I, I think it is. Right? Is, is it M7? Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. Heartbeat monitors, stuff like that. All right. 
I can imagine. I see now, uh, but already then I'm starting to run out of steam on ideas. Like those things already exist. Yeah, I could imagine. You know, maybe with some kind of breakthrough or something, I can imagine uh, the advantage of having a camera on a device that you could position different places on your body. I don't know. But we already know what cameras do. Like, I feel like, you know, it's it just would be another convenience. Like, if you go running and you only have your new Apple thing on your wrist on and you don't have your phone and you see something interesting, you could take a photo. Uh, but that's, you know... That's not really solving new problems. I, I don't know. I feel yeah. like I'm. I, I I feel pretty confident that these problems are out there, but I really kind of feel like when I finally see it, it it's going to be a. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. No. I, I. That is the hardest thing to think about, right? All the other stuff about you know the the, the physical aspects to it, the you know how it fits into the iOS ecosystem. That's all pretty. You know, you can kind of suss that out pretty easily but coming up with exciting use cases um yeah it's it's that's the the hard thing and i i think for me there's a lot to be said with putting you know giving your physical state using that as context for the you know the, the device can make assumptions then like the the example i used in the in the post was okay right now i'm physically closer to my iphone than i am to my macbook right, right. why do i see notifications on both machines yeah right? and and yeah. and as somebody who owns an iphone an ipad an imac and you know a bunch of other devices you know, anytime an alarm goes off, it's like blink, 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 blink. You know, and that's I don't need that. Yeah, you know, I message. So, you know, my physical a... context is is it's an important thing in yeah. that in that solution. Yeah, ideally, iMessage and anything similar, it's not notifying devices; it's notifying you, right? And the devices exactly. could figure out where you are and what you're doing right and you know another example right if, if the device knows your i'm currently we'll say six inches away from my phone if i stand up and walk towards the door and the phone's not in my pocket that distance is increasing right you know does the phone start going beep 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 you forgot me do i get a little you know, my clip-on device starts buzzing, like, hey, you're forgetting your phone. You know, th there are some interesting things there, right? And, and you know, none of us likes leaving the phone at home. I mean, even, you know, my wife left her phone at the home the other day, and I had to, you know, had to call her. Well, I, I called her, and it's like, oh, the phone ran in, in the kitchen. It's like, oh, crap. She doesn't have her phone with her. How do I get in contact with her? And, you know, it, you know what would have been, you know, a five-second activity yeah, you know, it became a you know I got to track her down and work and interrupt her meeting and blah, right? It uh, so you know that the, again the, the the putting you as a person and letting your 
devices know about you and you know know about your physical state right you know are you hot you cold you know you 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 tired you awake there are some interesting things that can be inferred by the devices once it knows more about you so it it, one of the you know the, the apple one of the things that was in that health book uh post that mark german did is, is it showed that uh i hadn't I remembered this but they hired some fitness expert as you know as a consultant i mean he maybe is an employee now I, I don't know but um you know somebody like that is gonna bring a lot of different ideas to the table you know the, the fact that they hired angela irons Right. I think that's how you pronounce your name. Yeah, you know, who has a background in fashion. Right. Fashion and retail. That's right. going to bring a lot of interesting ideas to the table. Right. I think that she will mostly have her you know it's curious I was just thinking about her too where she was she's slated to start sometime in the first half of 2014 and but they haven't not, nobody's clarified that since. As far as I know she's still the Burberry CEO. She hasn't started mm-hmm. at Apple yet, and I don't know if when she does, they're ever they're even going to say anything. I mean, it'd be typical Apple. Not you know, she could you know maybe she is working full time there and haven't said it. Although yeah. I think not, not, none of your business, <laughs> right? But there's going to be like people will notice when Burberry announces a new CEO, like they might notice yeah. her leaving Burberry, but they you know once she goes into Apple, it's, it's going to be it. I do. I think she's going to mostly have her hands full running retail, and I don't think that she is the retail. Uh, boss is going to have a large input into product design, but I don't think it's a quince. You know what I mean? Like I don't think she's not going to have any input either, right? And right. I think that right. there's a sort of this is which way the wind is blowing to her decision to, to take the job in the first place. You know, no matter what her responsibilities are, she's still going to have connections within the industry, and connections are very important at that level. So. Right, and she, you know, and she's done by all accounts. I mean, she's it's almost it's almost hard to find anybody saying anything negative about her. I mean, which is kind of rare. Um, but she did a, you know, has done a terrific job with Burberry and the brand. You know that they were mm-hmm. sort of seen as in trouble when she took over, and she's leaving them in fantastic shape. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I had memories of the companies being, you know, clothes that old people wore. You know, and right. this yeah, exactly. you know, kind of old fashioned fashion, right. you know, old lady, like, uh, old lady coats and stuff like that. Yeah, and then what and was then the it's like? It's what do they call the, the, the punks in uh, in the UK? Chavs. That there was like yeah. this. Uh, uh, I don't know. Google it, but I don't know. It was a bad the brand. Was in bad shape. She left it in good shape. But you know what? And yeah. it comes right back to what we talked about. You know, at the very beginning, where if you're going to talk about watches, you're already talking about men's and women's watches. And that's already mm-hmm. broken in two. And that's already a weird, uncharted territory for Apple. Apple's never made men's and women's phones or laptops. So yeah. I don't know. I, phones might be the wrong way, but maybe not. Maybe they will, you know, never say never, you know, with wearables. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, Apple has proven that they can get away with a lot by, you know, adding cases and, you know, sort of external ornamentation i do think and somebody else said it on the show and you mentioned it in your article i do think it's true that the proliferation of cases for phones 
I do think is is maybe even people tell them it's about tell themselves it's about protection, but I think it's largely driven by um, the desire to sort of personalize it that they don't want. You know, a lot of people, maybe even most people, don't want a phone that looks like everybody else's phone. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's a lot. You know, uh, it's a lot more like your analogy of the Swatch store. You know, the way that most people's actual iPhones look, like if you went to a typical restaurant that's not full of us and, you know, nerds, right. but just regular people and said, hey, everybody with an iPhone, hold it up. You'd see a huge variety because of the cases. You'd not, wouldn't I, just I, see black, silver, and gold. And my, my niece changes her case, you know, weekly. Right? There you She's go. Got, right. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to put a case on that matches my outfit. Right. And it has nothing to do with upgrading <laughs> the protection, you know, in case she drops no. it. Right. It's exactly about, you know, what it looks like, how it, how it makes her feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else here, you know, one last area you can think about with these wearables is just to go through from like head to toe where you could put them. So there's, your face, mm, which that's is a, that's glasses, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, nose ring. And I think that's really limited uh, until until you could actually put the screen into the glass of your glasses in a way that you you know is absolutely unobtrusive. I think it's a deal breaker. Eventually, I'm sure that'll happen. That you'll be able to build lenses for glasses with a, a display in there built in. But I think it's you know long way out. Um, your neck. Right, so you can wear necklaces. I don't see necklaces though as a place for any sort of technology. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, if yeah, I mean, you, there's the original iPod Shuffle, which kind of had that lanyard thing that you could hang yeah. around your neck, and that was, I mean, I, I loved that. That was, I you know, would go running with that, and you know, it was very convenient to to get at. It had. You know, it stayed out of the way while you were running, but then, you know, you could pull it up and, you know, use the controls really easily. So, you know, maybe in some scenarios that's, you know, maybe it's a device that has some sort of USB connector, or not a USB connector, but, you know, some sort of connector that lets it hang around your neck or attach to your wrist or... I don't know. So... I th to me, it's more, I think back to the iPad where I knew they were working on a tablet. And, you know, even just the question of, well, how are you going to prop it up? Are you going to use it flat on the table? That doesn't seem right. But how else are you going to prop it up? Is it going to, you know, uh, and I think to their credit, I think the, the, the kickstand on the Microsoft Surface actually works pretty well. I don't know if you've ever played with one, but I, you know, I thought, would they do that? It seems goofy. It seems, you know, on Apple-like. But there's all sorts of look, you know, there's more questions to me with this, with watches and wearables than there was even with the, the, the tablet computers. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It, it, the, the tablet, you knew, you had a, a notion of what the touch UI was going to be like. Yeah. Right? And, you know, those of us who were developers, you know, we had a simulator, kind of knew, this was, you know, we we obviously didn't know anything before they made the announcement, but you know, you kind of got an idea of how the iPad was going to work by just looking at it on your Mac screen and knowing how your your iPhone worked. But yeah, the the the, the physical dimensions of the device that was hard. That was hard to 
you know, you had a lot, a lot of the pieces in the puzzle, but it still didn't fit together well. Yeah, I you know take it back to 2007 and the iPhone, and it was everybody you know seemed like they were going to announce an iPhone, but everybody thought it was going to be an iPod that made phone calls. Yeah, and it was so much more than that. And you know yeah. maybe that's that's what we're overlooking, and that was based on technology that we didn't know could exist. We you know I'm not saying that clearly famously they didn't invent the touchscreen. No, you know they no. Sh- they already had OS 10. They shrunk it down, but we didn't know that they could get a version of Mac OS 10 running on a mobile chipset. We didn't know that they could make a touch screen that good at consumer level prices. Right. And that had that level of responsiveness. And, and that it could have a day's worth of battery life. Right. That's what yeah. I think. Whatever uh, the answer is, whatever Apple's coming out with that's wearable is yeah. I think it's going to involve multiple technologies, like two or three like the first iPhone that we just didn't know were technically possible. And then once you realize, oh they can do that? Oh, well, then, of course, it's going to blank, blank, blank. But mm-hmm. we just, I, I, I don't know what those things are. Yep. And that's why we love Apple, right? Because they, they, they keep these things to themselves, and then they show them to the world, and you, you just, the, it, the sense of excitement when that happens is, it, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I do get the, I do get the feeling. I don't think it's coming soon. I think we're going to go, maybe it'll be at WWDC, but I don't, I don't expect anything between now and WWDC. No. Yeah, well, that's another interesting thing. Well, you know, where is this going to fall on their, you know, product launch cycles, right? They obviously in the fall are all ramped up to, to sell phones. And- Here's, if you want me to guess, my guess is a huge WWDC keynote with, some kind of at least one like holy shit new product that's not shipping until fall because that and and if it's a new category they don't have to worry about cannibalizing their own sales they can pre-announce it like they did with the iPhone in 2007 yeah, yeah. and it lets them keep it secret longer because once it goes into the asian supply chain forget about it that's when yeah. everything comes every, yeah. they can't yeah. keep that stuff secret yeah, well, then you know there may be FCC requirements, right? And, you know, you know it's going to maybe have a radio in it, so right. so think FCC like needs to know. Yeah, yeah. So like, think like a really early June WWDC, um, and you know, then that gives them June, July, August, maybe even September to go from announcement to on shelves. Whew. You know, and that means they're going to have an iPhone 6 and some iWearable. Well, they've been having two events in the fall the last while. So I feel like what they could, you know, they wouldn't have to have another event when it comes out, you know. Yeah. But it would, you know, it does does load the end of the year down. But I. God, yeah. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're getting so damn good at manufacturing. I mean, that's, you know, that's. Tim Cooks, he's, he's got the, all, that shit all wired. So right. yeah. the only other thing I can think would be, you know, the, the, to me, the, the there's like a they could do something in April. They could, you know, send out invitations on some, you know, Wednesday in April and say, you know, come to you know come to Apple next Tuesday, and we're gonna have something to show you. They could do it in April, but once they hit May, it's too close to WWDC. Why why bother? Why not just wait till WWDC? Right. So I feel right. like, you know, there's a couple of weeks ahead of us where maybe they'll do something, but it doesn't seem like it. Usually there's, you know, 
there's smoke in the air, you know, smoke signals a couple of weeks before these things, and I, I'm not seeing it. Well, one of the things Tim Cook did say is that, that there would be new products announcements throughout yeah. the year, right. right? Not like at the end of the year. Right. So, yeah. That's what I said, you know, earlier, it, it was... It seems like there's there's something in the air right now. It's just I had to had. I mean, I, I'm the first to admit I don't have a I don't have an answer here. And and this this notion that okay, you know, what if it's a ring? That's just just a what if, right? right. I think it's not going to be a watch, not going right. to be quote unquote smartphone. What could it be? You know, that's just a what if. And you know, it's some of the things that that. Uh, May solve some of those problems that ask, yeah. Apple is asking itself. All right. So let's give some plugs. You can follow Craig on uh, the Twitter. He's at Chalkenberry. Uh, yes. Your day job is at the amazing uh, Icon Factory. Yes, iconfactory.com. Uh, what's what's what, 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 it's plug some apps. What do you got? You got Twitterific. Uh, Twitterific, uh, Xscope. Uh, Flare, a uh, photo editing app. Uh, go to iconfactoryapps.com and you'll see all of them. Man, Xcope. Uh, Xcope does eight different things, got eight different tools, but it's the best screen loop ever. Yeah. So if you need it's, like zoom in on pixels, you got to have Xcope. Recommend I'm, work, I'm working on a new version of uh, Xcope right now, and there are going to be 10 tools, which, and the, the two new tools are pretty awesome. I'm but not going to say what they are. Yeah, no, 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 no. But Keep it to yourself. Yeah. It, uh, Xcope is, is, I mean, as a developer, I, I can't do my work without it. It really is that simple. It's, it's, uh, it's essential. It's a perfect in-house tool from the Icon Factory because it's the it's the the seriously I'm not just saying because you're on a show it is the tool for people who actually sweat the individual pixels of the artwork they're working. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's you know you know back to the razors right the the Remington shaver guy right he bought right. the company because he loved the product right, right. well <laughs> uh, yeah that's same thing here right all right uh, well thank you so much for your time I really appreciate yeah. it. always love having you on the show. It's always a pleasure to be on it, John. It's, uh, yeah. Go have good. dinner. I'm going to go make a Caesar salad. I, I, yeah, I am. I'm hungry. <laughs> All right. Talk, thank talk you so to you much. later. All right. You're welcome. Uh,